Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host. Welcome to Inside Towers Week in Review. I'm Leslie Stimson, Inside Towers Washington Bureau Chief. With me are John Celentano, our business editor, Sharp Smith, our technology editor, and Jim Fryer, our managing editor. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. Our Q4 issue is available now. An annual subscription also includes an exclusive briefing and online support. For more information or to subscribe, visit InsideTowers.com slash intelligence. And John, you're going to start us off today with a story about the stock market. Uh, yes, Leslie. You know, the, there's a lot of um, ups and downs and gyrations going on in the stock market these days, mainly because of investor concerns uh, regarding inflation and interest rates and the supply chain delays and the war in Ukraine. Um, unfortunately, you know, infrastructure stocks are, are caught up in all of that, but <clears throat> the stock market doesn't really tell the whole story on how these infrastructure companies are actually performing. Uh, you know, on the contrary, they're actually doing very well. Uh, if we go by the reports they put out in their first quarter earnings calls, uh, most of them, if not uh, most of them, not all of them, but most of them raised their full year 2022 guidance on a number of key operating metrics. Uh, the article we put out today, um, it really uh, compares two graphs. Uh, one is our own proprietary wireless infrastructure value index, uh, and the other is the NASDAQ. And we look at it over a 52-week period, going back to um, uh, uh, this time in May last year, and uh, and and look at how the 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 relative uh, indices have performed over that time. Our own value index comprises 12 infrastructure companies. That includes the big three tower companies, five data center companies, the biggest being uh, Equinix and, and Digital Realty, um, a couple of fiber companies, Lumen and Unity, and then two diversified infrastructure companies, Brookfield Infrastructure Partners, Partners and Digital Bridge. Uh, by comparison, the NASDAQ comprises about 3,000 companies Technology makes up about half of those, and those technology companies are the name brands we know, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, uh, T-Mobile, Verizon, and Dish are also listed on the NASDAQ. So we get a pretty good indication of uh, a pretty good coverage uh, of, of these of the tech sector um, in the NASDAQ. And then we, we, you know, our chart compared the two graphs over the, the 52-week period. Well, it, it shows that, you know, stocks rose uh, nicely um, uh, through May, uh, from May, early May through the end of uh, 2021. But since since the new year, you know, they've all declined significantly. And when, when you do the, uh, the math on the uh, rate of decline, you know, our index has declined about um, a little under 1%, 0.8% per week. But the NASDAQ has done worse. It's like 1.4% per week. Um, but, 
you know, my point is that these don't tell the story about how these companies are actually doing, uh, given that the, um, they, they, they are performing well and they've raised their guidance. You know, we expect planned capital expenditures among the mobile network operators uh, to be up significantly in 2022 compared to 2021, uh, all driven by, you know, 5G deployments, uh, new spectrum activation, particularly C-band, along with fiber and data center buildouts. Um, we actually expect the uh, capex, um, the, the cumulative capex guidance to come to about close to 50 billion uh, this year. This is just in the U.S. That's up 39 percent from 36 billion in 21. Uh, it, it'll be a peak year, but you know investments will still stay above historical levels out through 2025. So, you know, and, uh, if you're an investor. You know, the only thing we could offer is to ride the storm. But if you're a vendor selling equipment or services to the um, mobile network operators, uh, we think you're going to be busy for a while. So, All right. Jim, tell us about Switch. Yes. Um, guys at Digital Bridge, I mean, every, every week uh, it seems like we're rolling out another story on what huge acquisition they're making. And this week was no exception. Friend there, Mark Ganzi, says you know they they vowed to build the world's leading global digital infrastructure investment platform, and um, they uh, took another step in in that direction by uh, buying Switch, uh, which was a publicly traded company on the New York Stock Exchange, um, large data center operator, and Digital Bridge announced that uh, it entered into a, an agreement uh, with them. Uh, and through their Digital Bridge partners and also an affiliate of theirs, uh, investor IFM, and they're going to acquire all outstanding common shares of Switch for $34.25 per share in an all-cash transaction with the value of around $11 billion. Um, so Digital Bridge, who not too long ago became public themselves, are going to take Switch, which was public, and they're going to take Switch private. So I don't understand all the machinations there, but uh, uh, Mr. Gansey plays a three-dimensional version of chess with this stuff, and uh, uh, obviously they know what they're doing because they've been doing it well for uh, quite a few years now. Um, the CEO of Switch, a guy named Rob Roy, uh, said that um, he... Obviously, they, they thought this was a, uh, a good move on their part. Uh, he said the combination of their advanced data center infrastructure and their significant expansion capacity um, is that in their land banks and, and, and the new partnership with, uh, with and the new partnership with Digital Bridge lays a strong foundation for Switch's continued industry-leading growth. So, um, I'm sure there will be more acquisitions to come down the line for Digital Bridge, uh, probably, as, probably as soon as next week, if uh, he keeps up his current pace. So uh, best of luck to that, uh, that acquisition, and uh, we will uh, continue to monitor both companies as, uh, as they move along. All right. Sharp, you're up. I think you have a couple of items you wanted to talk about. My items, uh, Leslie, uh, at, on the face of it, uh, don't have anything in common. Um, the first one is a, uh, uh, a 
groundbreaking uh, new, never done before uh, method of, uh, of launching satellites, low earth orbit satellites into uh, orbit. And, uh, and the other is an in-building wireless uh, investment. Um, we'll start off with the, uh, the first one. Uh, the company is called Spin Launch, and it has uh, uh, in created, uh, developed a way to uh, basically take a centrifuge and tip it on a 45 degree angle, attach a, uh, uh, a 40, 440 pound LEO satellite to the end of the tether, spin it at 5,000 uh, miles per hour and uh, release it. Um, and uh, it, uh, it then flies up uh, into, uh, into orbit and uh, with a little bit of uh, thrust at the end. And uh, if you think about it, think about a track and field athlete with uh, the discus spinning around and, and letting it go at the last minute there and, and uh, 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 sending it into orbit. Basically, it, uh, it, takes, uh, it takes the whole process of, uh, of uh, launching a, a satellite out of the days when you have, uh, uh, you have to expend millions of cubic feet of methane or thousands of pounds of hydrogen and uh, takes, a, takes a, a satellite into or, orbit really only using uh, uh, centrifugal force. So uh, it's, a, it's an amazing technology. It's gonna be, uh, they're gonna have their first uh, launches are set for 2025. And uh, so uh, it, uh, uh, in, as well as being just incredible, it, the, uh, the, the part about uh, saving all that, uh, uh, making it basically sustainable, uh, the, the launching. Uh, one of the points that they make in their press release is that uh, they, they think that we're gonna be, uh, since we're sending all these satellites into orbit, we need to find a sustainable way to do that. And uh, the yeah. second story uh, that, that ties in with, uh, uh, with the, uh, the spin launch article is a company uh, known as uh, Air, uh, Air Tower Networks, formerly uh, Wave Wireless. Uh, they received an investment from, uh, uh, from a, a, an investment firm called DIF Capital from their uh, climate investment fund. And uh, uh, that, that fund only invests in companies that are sustainable. And uh, so uh, I think you can, you can uh, count on or, or expect the, uh, the wireless industry and the fiber industry to, uh, to continue to get uh, investments from the, uh, the investment community uh, specifically companies like DIF that are investing in, in with companies that are in environmentally sustainable. In fact, DIF Capital has a, uh, their mission statement says that they are, uh, they support uh, the goal of, uh, of the, uh, the world becoming uh, carbon neutral by 2020, uh, 2050. So it's a, uh, it all leads up to uh, my my major theory thesis here is uh, that uh, it, it ties back to an article that I saw in Time Magazine about how business is taking on the climate fight, and um, 
it's sort of shifting from governments trying to do it to uh, to companies are seeing a profit and they're seeing uh, a a need to uh, to support and create uh, industries that are uh, going to reduce the uh, uh, the climate change that we're uh, experiencing. So it's um, some interesting things going on. All right. So this week. AT&T rolled out a new nationwide service that will route 911 calls from its wireless subscribers to the closest 911 call center. AT&T is calling it locate before route feature. It's from a public services vendor called Intrado. It relies on GPS data from either Android or Apple phones to accurately identify where a 911 call is, is coming from. So with location-based routing, a device can be located and routed within 164 feet of your device, according to the companies. Um, this skips the cell phone tower, actually. Uh, it, it, um, they claim that using towers causes delays in emergency response because sometimes the they can't really pinpoint the location as accurately of where the call is being made especially when the call is being made uh, with a border that overlaps, like where state or county lines overlap. So uh, Kim Zagaris, a uh, spokesperson for um, uh, the Western Fire Chief Association said in today's environment, over 93% of the US population have cell phones and rely on them for communications. It's critical that when they dial 911, the call routing is going to the closest ditch dispatch center. The rollout uh, has started in Snohomish County, Washington State. It's also being used in Alaska, Colorado, Hawaii, Idaho, Montana, Oregon, Wyoming, Kansas, Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, North Dakota, Missouri, Nebraska, South Dakota, and Guam. AT&T hopes to finish this rollout by the end of June. I think it's going to be interesting to see how this works, if it works, and if other carriers adopt it. So that's a wrap for the news this week. Thank you for listening uh, to Inside Towers Week in Review. If you want a complete rundown of the week's news, check out our Saturday edition. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.